Hey, this is Steven from Unteachers, and you're listening to Discography Discussion, and Cannibal Corpse is one of the greatest thrash bands on the earth. Steven, we're talking about ministry tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Um, which denomination are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're talking about ministry. That's great, guys. I love ministry. And if you're ready for a completely different kind of ministry, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Stephen Mark Sorrow from Unteachers has returned. I have. Thanks for having me. He's back like the Jedi. But not like the last Jedi. I was gonna. I was just gonna say I'm back like the last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying the last Jedi is not gone? I'm saying nobody's excited about my return. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we are very excited about your return. Great, thank you. Jeff's excited. I'm too, glad to be here. He's at home. I'm really. It's really fun to be on the show, and I kind of kind of bummed Jeff's not with us tonight. Yeah. Oh well, the uh, industrial expert isn't here. Well, no, he's here now, right? I mean, according no. to you, you're the... He's still not here. <laughs> you're the industrial database. I do like a lot of industrial, but I like old industrial, so I don't know how, how popular I will be to your well, listeners. Get off my lawn. <laughs> you guys ever heard of Skinny Puppy? I have, actually. <laughs> Classic. We're yeah. going to probably talk about them next December. Yeah, well, when you do, just make sure you don't shit all over Too Dark Park, okay? Try not to, but now do I me, feel like I kind of have to do that. I'm just, I'm just that guy. But I, I mean, I love like I love like bands like Mortal and stuff like that too. Of course, I loved Clank and uh, Circle of Dust and all that stuff. When did you get Clank you guys back did on the, the Circle podcast? Of Dust episode? Yeah, we did it last December actually. Yeah, they, that's a great. Those, they had some good albums, a couple good albums there. That was actually right after we uh, talked to Clank. We talked to Clank a week before that for like yeah, ever. Clank's a cool dude. Yeah, he is. We're Darren. gonna get him back. I know on. him as Darren. Clank had, <clears throat> excuse me, Clank had his uh, CD, re- I don't know if it was a release party, but it was definitely like some sort of a preview night of his first Tooth & Nail album at a place called Eat & Park in Lancaster, which is like right down the road from where I live here now. And we, we literally, it was like a Denny's, and we just hung out with Darren listening to his album and eating like eggs. That's awesome. Breakfast food at like midnight. Yeah, that was a weird night. <laughs> but he used to be a local, kind of a local to me. He used to be in PA. We, I used to run into him a lot at um, at uh, Drexel in Philadelphia. Him and actually Buka from Argyle Park would, would be there too sometimes. Yeah, it seems like so, PA yeah. was just the place, man. Everybody was there. That was a cool place, yeah. Lots of cool shows came through there. <laughs> All that early tooth and nail stuff. But anyway, sorry, I'm derailing you again. At least it was industrial derailing. Before we talk about industrial derailing, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at DiscussMetal. Be sure to like, favorite, and and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Hey, you know what? If you like our podcast, and you've been listening for a while, but you've never given us a review, give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. Or give us whatever kind of review you think we're worth. That really kind of helps us out as far as uh, getting recommended to people that want to hear a podcast like this, but haven't heard it before. 
So uh, some reviews really help that uh, algorithm out. It is literally the best free thing you can do to help us out. And now Steven is going to tell us all about the Spirit Shrill. Oh, there you go. I'm, I'm, on, I'm put on the spot again. But yeah, yeah. I did a record this uh, this October called The Spirit Shrill. It's 55 minutes long. It's one track. It's very oppressive. It's very scary because it's dealing with mental and spiritual illness colliding. Uh, so it's my experiences with dealing with the charismatic movement. And uh, so I don't know if you're fans of the tantrum era, uh, it's probably the most in the spirit of tantrum of the muse stuff I've ever done. Um, and it's uh, I've heard all the reviews I've heard of it. Everyone says it scared them. So I, that to me must mean I'm on to something honest because it does scare me as well. So uh, the Taurus trap, or I'm sorry, Taurus trap media at bandcamp.com is where you can get it it's really cheap it's eight bucks and uh yeah support it and i hope you like it yeah that's about all i got to say about that it's terrifying i'm still waiting for dan to tell me what he really thinks there's a lot to unpack here steven (laughs) yeah i hope you unpack it someday i'm curious i mean i'm curious no i'm trying i really am getting through it um but again i'm trying really hard not to not to like you know, I'm, like I understand that what kind of an album I made, so I'm not trying to push that on anybody. I, I understand that it's kind of a difficult thing for some people to sit and actually enjoy, but because it's that kind of a record, I'm also curious of what people really think of it. So I'm uh, really curious. So yeah, it's not going to be a negative review, but I want to make sure that I've I mean, got all be. my ducks in a row. When it's finally been played all the way through. <laughs> when it's such an international it's success, it gets pressed to vinyl. Oh, man, I would love to press it on vinyl. In, like, the lowest but, quality possible, so all 55 minutes can go on one side. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I would split it up, but I'm sure I could find a spot. That's the thing is it's, you know, it's one track, and it's it's the, probably the longest album I've ever made. And it's so it's like, you know, it's just under an hour, and, it, and it's you can't skip it, really. And it kind of forces you to sit there and sort of take it all in, which and it's on a CD, which is that's kind of a tough sell. It's like here, sit down and not listen to it on vinyl, but listen to it without stopping, without being able to, to do anything but sit and listen. So it's it's kind of in that regard, it's a punishing kind of experience. I was thinking I would love it for some sort of publishing or blog people who do album reviews you know would stand up and say hey here's this album check it out but then i thought you know the people who really matter are the people who buy it and are just you know like fans of or listeners of the of the album itself not necessarily who have a album review site and i think their reviews matter more to me so honestly anyone who purchases it purchases it or whatever and just listens to it and tells me here's a paragraph or two of what i think of it that's going to be the reviews I use to, to promote it. So, and I think they matter more than what like HM magazine or I don't know, someone who writes reviews says, cause they're not going to care. You know what I mean? So real quick, we got some listener feedback on episode 88 cannibal corpse. This is from bail 9991. The argument at the beginning made my day. Great podcast guys. Keep up the great work. Hey, I ruined my day, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We got an email from uh, P. 
Pete Campos. If I didn't pronounce that right, I'm so sorry. I don't read so good, you know. Uh, he says, hey, guys, I just recently came across this podcast. And being from Little Rock, I naturally started with Hometown Legends Living Sacrifice and then saw you had one on Dead Z of all bands. Just wondering if there's any interest or intention of doing episodes on Our Wake or Paul Bearer. It might be Rake. It might be Rake. Uh, Rake. <laughs> great shit, and I really look forward to digging in. Keep up the good work. Uh, well, I really appreciate it, Pete. Um, we will uh, definitely add those bands to the list. Uh, the goal is to eventually get to everybody, and we will get there uh, in probably eight to ten years. I just saw some breaking news coming here. I don't know if you guys are cool with me sharing this live on on the air here, but I uh, just just did see an article came through about Pat O'Brien. Oh um, yes, it says here that they finally figured out the purpose of of that whole weird event about his house burning down. Oh, do tell. And it says here that um. The reason Pat O'Brien's house burned down was actually because he had just finished listening to the discographies discussion episode. Oh, and, and you he set was us very up. upset. <laughs> oh. First fifteen minutes, in it says here the first fifteen minutes in particular, really, really. really he wasn't upset on. Him. He wasn't on those albums. Doesn't even matter. I'm pretty sure all we did was stroke him the entire episode. That's true. <laughs> Last time I, I checked. Just, so he I'm must have set his around. house on fire out of pure joy Listen, and our love and appreciation for his guitar playing talent. I disagree with how crazy your review or your yeah, your discussion of that discography was. I will say it was absolutely entertainment. You couldn't turn it off if you tried. So that's a plus for you guys, right? Are you not entertained? <laughs> I was entertained. Only few discography discussions have I ever wanted to scream into my my iPod. It's always us, so, too. It's every single time. It, it's it us, is yeah. always you guys. <laughs> Which is why I love you so much. We are the stirrers of shit. We are the dreamers of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard your your uh, uh, your Savior Machine episode yet. I'm curious. Oh my gosh. You go listen I to that. One. I didn't want to I didn't want to get too upset. I needed a break. Let me ask so you, just, how do you feel about the legend trilogy? I love the first two. You're gonna be really upset at our reviews. Well, and, and to be really honest, the first one especially is really good. But the second and third one are probably my le- – like, they get a little less interesting. But I remember thinking the, se- the second one was creepy. You need to listen to that episode like right after you get off the phone with us. Well, what is your favorite Savior Machine album? Just let me ask. Savior Machine 2. Did you guys talk about the mask? There was like a rumor going around that the mask was like Amy Grant's face. Oh, wow. Kind of like the uh, Michael Myers mask was uh, William Shatner. I don't know if there's truth to that. I was kind of hoping you guys would cover it. But no, I didn't. I didn't read that. I did a lot of inf- I did a lot of info hunting. I actually went on Wayback Machine, which is like the old internet archived. You know? Oh wow! And uh, yeah, yeah, because I had to pull up some of Eric's old rants on his website. Well, I I don't like their lyrics. They're they would hate my new album lyrically, but um, the the music of Legend One I really like. I think it's really good. So, Dan, tell me about ministry. Well, ministry was like a new <laughs> How's wave. How's your ministry going, Dan? Yeah. yeah. I, I get that email every <laughs> single day. Um, they're like, hey, uh, I know you do this podcast, and it seems kind of secular. What's up with that? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> ministry was a new wave kind of electronic band from the early 80s. 
and I'm not really being I'm being a little deceptive in how I describe the band, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, back in '83, they were a new wave band, and uh, they would slowly start to incorporate more industrial elements into their music, and not really slowly. Like the difference between the first and second album is striking. Yeah. Eventually, more uh, metal guitars. All the way up into this day in 2018, they would definitely be described more as a metal band overall. So it's been an interesting transition over 14 albums. It's it's 75 albums if you count remixes. Oh geez, yeah, we're not counting any of that. <laughs> All of the albums on the on the Amazon Prime app. Which is what I was relying on to review this discography was like all remixes. I was oh, like, this man. sucks. I don't think any of the remixes were on my because uh, I use Google Music and uh, I don't think any of them were on there. Ugh. Minus the albums that I actually had in my possession, which I think the only ministry albums that I actually own is uh, The Land of Rape and Honey and uh, Psalm 69. What's the real title of that, Dan? Oh, Psalm 69 The Way to Succeed and The Way to Suck Eggs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Absolutely. 1983 with sympathy is Depeche Mode. I mean, yeah, Ministry. I'm sorry. It definitely sounds like some Depeche Mode going on here. Shitty Depeche Mode. It's kind of shitty, but I, I kind of liked it in in comparison to some of their other stuff. Um, Yeah, I I totally like it. I like shitty Depeche Mode though, so that's that's my thing. I just found it really catchy. Like it's full of earworms. It's sugary sweet. It's not aggressive at all, and um. After all the death grind and shit I've been listening to lately, uh, it was kind of a welcome change for me. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. I was like, let's pull up, because we just did Fear Factory last week, and that's like all heavy, pretty much. And uh, so whenever I popped in, you know, with sympathy, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, this is nice. Um, I don't have really a whole lot to say about it, other than the fact that it is a new wave album. And um, I mean... It's so unrecognizable as ministry. I guess that's the hardest right. part about it. Yeah, it's not the album you want to start with unless you become a really big fan and then you want to kind of know what exactly they did from the very beginning. But I'll say, to me, it's the album that says ministry exists, but it is not ministry yet. It's like, the, it's like hey, I'm Al and I want to start a band. I'm going to call it ministry. And he did, but... He still didn't really know what it was he was trying to get into or do. Because, I mean, there's absolutely no uh, recognizable thing about this. Even his vocals. He's singing with a fake British accent, first of all, which is awful. Well, you have to. But, yeah, with this kind of music, it totally makes sense. Um, There's some really cool songs on it. Revenge is a cool song. Work for Love is a cool song. Uh, What is that other one? Effigy or something? I like that one. But yeah, it's totally not ministry. It's very, very early 80s, terrible new wave. Yeah. This is the first music they wrote when somebody came home with the keyboard that had the drum machine built in. They did the little simple beat and said, all right, that's it, man. We're Genesis now. Yep. (laughs) And, and, And you know, it's funny. It's like I can appreciate this album. Like if I was to start listening to their whole discography to do this episode, I would probably appreciate this album more if I listened to it at the end of all these other albums, because it would be so refreshing to just as a palate cleanser to what they become so much later. They kind of like almost like how you said with Fear Factory and all that, like just sort of like, oh, wow, just it kind of almost is relieving to hear after all that other stuff. 
from from the beginning side of the ministry it's kind of an awkward start <laughs> you know but i dig it though i need to pick it up on vinyl one of these days for sure 1986 twitch uh, is that it are we done with that one already? i think we're done with that one <laughs> Dan doesn't have anything to say. It's New Wave. Next. <laughs> so there's some interesting changes that took place here, obviously. So Al pretty much, as far as I know, fired his whole band after uh, after With Sympathy. It's so weird, too, because they, they went on, like, one or two tours, and they were received really well. Like, they were opening for the police and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it, it all seemed like it was good, but there were some issues with the record label. And Al just didn't feel like they really represented him very well. And uh, he decided, you know, I'm going to go off and, and do this other thing. So he basically reassembled the band and went in a much darker direction musically. Like, he basically just started over. Like, it was a hard reboot of Ministry. I agree, but... Going back recently to listen to Twitch, because I remember it being like way more industrial sounding, but <clears throat> listening to it recently, I kind of thought it was sort of still in line with the first album, just a lot darker. But it still, but it didn't feel like a band that completely changed. Like it still sounded like the first, ba- the first album, Ministry. Yeah, it was a much darker sound overall, and you can hear a lot more of that hardcore industrial sound. Um, but yeah, there's still a little bit more bleep and bloop synthesizer on here that's more in line with with sympathy and i think a lot of it you know this is this is probably just a darkened up version of with sympathy yeah if that makes sense like it's like almost as if he went light on purpose on the first record because he was trying to reach that audience and then whenever i guess he didn't feel like he was reaching that audience he just tried to find a new audience it's like you know if you were to group the ministry discography based on like how many of how many of the albums sound like different bands because you can group them in the sort of sections i feel like twitch would fit in still further sorry would, would fit in more with the first album than with the third album like it still sort of fits into that first side it's just that it's darker and a bigger improvement and i think al's vocals while there are some other issues with it <laughs> the at least they're not like pretend uh british you know like um, yeah it sounds much more like an american band uh right yeah it doesn't have the vocals are more real and more honest than the first album but then he does other things with his vocals that make me wonder like what the heck he does this song there's a song on it called over the shoulder it's kind of like a it's kind of like a standout track actually it's i think it might even be a single but the way he sings on it is just really weird to me. Like, it sounds like he's whispering the vocals, or like he's afraid to sing them out loud or something. Well, and his vocal variety is going to get a lot worse before it gets better, um, if that makes sense. Uh, maybe not in this decade, not in the '80s. But uh, this sounded really cool. It was actually one of the m- more fun, like different things that he did, because um, it, it was all experimentation on these first. Like, it was definitely a lot of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what, you know, was going to stay. And um, I think the whispered vocals kind of really make it sound darker, make it sound a little bit more sinister, you know? And um, I I definitely agree with you on that track that it's kind of a standout on this record is this one's not really my favorite overall. 
Now, I will add to this real, real quick. This album predates Depeche Mode's Violator album. Um, I say that because when we were talking about the first album, and we were saying it sounds like shitty Depeche Mode, it actually predates the sound of Depeche Mode that it has on that album. In other words, when Depeche Mode came out, they didn't even sound like Depeche Mode yet. So Depeche Mode sounded like Depeche Mode about mid to late 80s, you know, like the Depeche Mode that we like, if you like them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Jeff likes them. But like with, <laughs> I'm trying to say that as carefully as, a, as to a metal fan as possible, but, uh, but a Twitch sounds like Violator era Depeche Mode, but it's probably two or three years sooner, which is, I mean... Not a, not an amazing factoid or anything, but to me, listening to it, I was kind of like, I kept my brain. I was just like, they're they're really ripping off the Pesh mode. And then I stopped and thought, wait a minute, what year did this this album come out? And this is actually predates the Violator, and and it's kind of almost even before Music for the Masses. So I thought that was kind of a, an interesting thing, and kind of gave them a little bit of an edge. I think that tells me it was a sound that he didn't want to create. Right. It, it, like I almost want to say they kind of were a part of the of that prototype, you know, of, of that sound, even though I wanted to say they ripped it off. But, um, also I kind of got a little bit of a Prince vibe musically from over the shoulder. I don't know if you guys like the, like the Prince in the revolution era of Prince. But yeah. I, I guess I could hear that a little bit. Like, and I think my problem is I'm a little out of my element on, on stuff like this. Like I'm, I'm kind of in a, I like it or I don't like it, kind of, <laughs> you know. Um, but I don't have a lot of context for it. Um, yeah. Because like Twitch, I thought was all right, and I liked it more than with Sympathy. But it wasn't. They weren't quite there yet. They're not really Ministry yet. And I would say the reason for that, and if you guys want to transition to the next record, I would say the reason Ministry became Ministry. In my mind, as just from following them as long as I have, it has to be because of Paul Barker. You okay. I mean? Yeah. Because when Paul Barker entered the picture, I think he brought the the ministry edge. Like he brought the the punk vibe to the band. Yeah, and that and that would always stay in the band, you know, um, throughout. In 1988, the land of rape and honey. What was that called again? <laughs> the land of rape and honey. And, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, so, uh, this you was... You mean the land of... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> rape. It's rape. <laughs> it's always rape. It's just say what it is, and it's what it is. <laughs> well, to me, this is when ministry became ministry to me. Like, this was yep. one of my first introductions to the band. And this is a lot darker, a lot more industrial... And it's definitely a sweet spot. I guess that's where the honey comes in. Well, you know, Ministry has, has for so many years, did the whole play on word, jokey, goofy, immature high school titles. And that was probably the first one right there. Although it doesn't come off as, as, as shitty as like from beer to eternity. But but like, <laughs> it's still, it is still a kind of a playoff of like, you know, they, this is just a theme they've done. They're, all their tour names were like, Schwinktor and you know like you know stuff like you know they they did that a lot and this is kind of like their humor kind of first showing itself I think well like, and it was kind of cool and relevant back then and yeah, it doesn't sound as goofy 
too. It kind of just sounds serious, almost like a creepy title. Right. Like you definitely get the impression that you're dealing with somebody that's smarter than you and is just mm-hmm. trying to be controversial. Like obviously with a title like that, you have to have some sort of like, eh, eh. Yeah. You see what we did there? <laughs> yeah. But it's like still yeah. cool in 1988. Um, I've always been able to appreciate art for what art is and not necessarily if I like it or not, or if I, if, you know, like maybe something isn't like how I personally uh, identify or whatever. But for example, like the land of rape and honey as a title, it sounds to me like something really urgent and dark and mysterious and creepy and not so much goofy, but I don't like the word rape and I certainly don't like anything that like would give any sort of positive uh, reference to rape, but I don't think that is what it's doing. But I really like this album title as much as I hate rape. <laughs> you know, just just the way the title comes off is almost like it's saying um, you're about to experience something extremely dark and extremely um, like we're not fucking around anymore. Yeah, and it that's comes across what I like that way. It. I mean, in some days I feel that way, like what you described. But as I look at the rest of their discography and some of the names of the albums, I kind of get it kind of an on the nose sort of, ha ha ha. You're right. See, it's supposed to be the promised land, right? But see, we threw the word rape in there. So now you know that, like, maybe the promised land isn't what it seems to be. And like it's that, like we're, yeah, that kind we're taking of, your fairy tale life and we're gonna, we're gonna piss on it, <laughs> right? Know? And that, that kind of obvious on the nose stuff doesn't really appeal to me like i think it was fine here but as we go on it starts to really get on my nerves and uh but you know musically this album is much closer to the ministry that we all know Mm -hmm. and uh i like that it's darker i like the harsher vocals and uh just the immediacy of the songs the speed of the tracks and that they're not like trying to get a radio single off of these yeah, I mean, if again, if you can kind of think about it in the context of the band that just put out with Sympathy and then uh, Twitch, they still haven't become the band yet. You know, when you listen to it in that context, it really is a, 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 a an intense album title and an intense musical landscape for sure. Like it's, a, I mean, it's obviously a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, it's only five years between the records, and they already sound like a completely underground band that went from basically making pop hits or what they hoped would become pop hits. Yeah. I mean, if you can imagine, if you were a fan of the band already from, from like, you know, the early first two albums, this must have been a real... This is way heavier. Jaw dropper for you. <laughs> you, know, you go to the record store. I heard there's a new record from Ministry coming out. And you're like a fan from day one. And you go and buy it. And you're just, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't expect this band to become like controversial. And, and, uh, and you know, almost like evil sounding, you know. I don't know how many so, of those fans exist, though, to be honest. I think they, that a I lot mean, they of, had to have been there. There had to have maybe been a couple of people. Before, the real fans came along, you know. Maybe a couple of people, but I think that a lot of people's introduction to ministry was during this era, like Land of Rape and Honey and then The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. I think that was kind of their introduction for most people. I mean, yeah, because we know them as who they are now. Right. But, you know, if they were opening for the police, though, I mean, 
there had to have been a decent amount of people who dug them. And you know, I know they had, I know they had radio singles and stuff before this. So it's just, it's an interesting. It must have been interesting to be that guy going to the record store, and you really want to hear some, some like fake British accent, Brit pop. You really dug that kind of darker edge. You bought this album, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> this band. What just have I got myself into? Honey, what am, yeah. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> I can't take this but, home uh, to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But it, but it, but you know, we were. This is still predates grunge and all that stuff so because because when i think of ministry i think of 90s Lollapalooza. you know like oh I yeah think of, you That's know what i mean I like in them. there with the jane's addictions and stuff like that so it's it's uh it's still not there yet it's crazy that i i would love to be a fly on the wall for when this came out it would be interesting to see you would have seen but, um, you would have seen al do a lot of drugs yeah and and that's something I didn't realize was already a problem for them, but I was reading up on it, and it sounds like they were already at odds with each other and ready to kill each other already. So it was just weird. Like I would have thought that was like late '90s, but well, we get a uh, "The Mind Is a Terrible Thing to Taste" in 1989, and that is like the first indication that these dudes might be on drugs. Yeah, like it is everything you could everything on the land of rape and honey could be equated to being like artful or like intentionally trying to sound underground. This is just a crazy record. I was just saying with land of rape and honey too, it's like really aggressive, but it wasn't really guitar aggressive yet. Right. It it felt a little punk, but it wasn't really there yet. The mind is a terrible thing to taste. Definitely grabs that torch and runs with it. And it's kind of, a scary album to listen to like it's really really dark and like with all the uh sound clips and stuff that are in it um like there's actually more profanity in the sound clips than there are in the actual lyrics which i kind of found to be funny and um but they were definitely like some of those some of those crazy drum machine blasts and stuff that they do it's like it's a far more aggressive ministry and a much closer representation of what they were going to become and like this is probably one of my favorites of the early ministry because it's just oh, yeah. so wacko. <clears throat> like it's just a weird, it's a weird, fast, punky record, and like it looks like gang chants and shouts and stuff, and like it just, it's just so relevant for that year. Like you're you're about to break into the '90s, and you've got a band that sounds like a band that's been around for five years in the '90s already. If that makes sense. Right. Right. It's it's really aggressive. There's a lot of guitar aggression. It's the first time they sound like what you would consider industrial, which is I mean industrial to me is is a combination of of heavy electronic elements and metal. I mean I mean isn't that what you think of as an industrial has like a sort of a metal edge to it a little bit? That's the kind of industrial and, I enjoy is the kind that has more metal in it. Yeah, and I don't mean to say it has to have the metal in it to be industrial. It just it just seems like, you know, bands like I mean, Skinny Puppy lacked a lot of the metal. It was really heavy on the on the the uh, electronic side, but you know, Nine Inch Nails, um, things like that. You know, like those types of bands really brought a guitar edge to to their sound, and that kind of combination I think is what made it so popular, and. So this record is the first ministry album I love. Like where I'm like, 
this is this is the band ministry for me right here. Like I like Land of Rape and Honey, but you know, like they had singles on that album that I thought were kind of weird for singles like Stigmata. Um, but this is the one where I'm like, yeah, like when they when he breaks into the vocals for Thieves, like right in the beginning, and the, his and that's the other thing I would say is his vocals became the signature vocals of Ministry on this album, where you're just like, dude, this is this is sick. And this is like loud and ferocious music. And and I track after track on this album is like a winner for me. Like this is hands down the first truly ministry album for me that I just love. Love it. It's the first time they hold down an actual thrash beat, you know, like a <laughs> like a thrash yeah. rhythm. And I really think that that adds to their sound so much. Because it kind of fills in the gaps where the weirdness is. You know, like, I thought Land of Rape and Honey was weird. And I couldn't really find a way to explain it or justify it. But when you add that punk thrash element to it, it kind of fills in the gaps. And you're like, okay, it's weird and aggressive and just twisted. And that's what you want. You know, that's yeah. that's what you signed up for. This is the first realization of that. Yeah. And, you know, like, if you, if, if you watch the live footage of this tour and this era and and you know just listen to what people say about them live at this point i think this is kind of around the time like the Lollapalooza stuff started going on and they started becoming part of the 90s alternative thing like you'll 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 hear that they were considered very violent and very loud and very um you know just the things that you always hear about them is just that they're extremely i mean i saw ministry a few times in concert and i'll tell you something right now they were the loudest band i've ever seen live like hands down the loudest band them and swans the two loudest bands i've ever heard and i think ministry because their sound is so abrasive it, it makes it louder than if if it's just loud guitar tone you know what i mean it's like they're they're industrial and they're loud so it's just this is where they became what everyone has fallen in love with with them for you know what i mean um and, but i what i love about it is it still keeps that industrial and almost like i would even say dancey electronica kind of vibe despite it screaming and and having that sort of a, a metal and hardcore side you know what i mean songs like so what you know where there's a real like a danceable almost still maintains a little of the 80s you know what I mean? It's still there, but it's but it's completely aggressive, which I love. Well, and it's like, how do they follow that up? And you could tell this record was a bigger success for them, like a bigger breakthrough success, because they did Land of Rape and Honey in 88 and then followed up in 89 with The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. But Psalm 69 came out in 1992, so then they're like well into the 90s. And this, I think they were just trying to one-up The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. They were just trying to take everything that was extreme about that record and make it more extreme. And uh, Psalm 69 is called Psalm 69, the way to succeed and the way to suck eggs, in case anybody was wondering. And there you there you have there you have Al's humor, like front and center. Again. Which I'm not the biggest fan of his humor. Like It's kind of a Dave either. Mustaine vibe it. with those album titles. I said something snarky, like, killing is my business. It's so metal. Like, did he ask yeah. a nine-year-old boy to title these albums? Like, oh, dude, you're going to be so funny. Like, we hate religion, right? Yeah, man, we hate religion. Let's call it Psalm 69. That'll really piss people off. <laughs> well, 
and, and and Psalm 69 on its own is a kind of it sort of still feels like the kind of title like Land of Rape and Honey, but it's just add the other part to it. It's stupid. It's more stupid, yeah. And I love I love the cover art and I love the way that it's written on the album. It doesn't still doesn't come off as like immature and like high school schlock. It comes off as that same sort of like um humorous but but dark and not so not so cheesy and silly still has sort of a of a of a poignancy to it but it's it's just like i've never seen the other part of that title written out thank god i don't know if it's on the cds or anything i don't remember it being on there but i'm glad that mostly people know it as just psalm 69 it's on the cd version on the spine it's not on the cover, really, oh, but terrible. it is written out on the spine and I think on the back as well. But this is definitely their peak, yeah. In terms of commercial success, vocals I mean, are really aggressive here too. Um, yeah, where it actually starts sounding like a little bit more hardcore, and uh, I definitely enjoyed that about it. I love, I love this record. As stupid as the name is, and uh, I mean, Jesus built my hot rod was probably the biggest uh, single that they'd had up to that point. I remember just hearing that. I mean, I still hear it. You know, starring, the- starring, uh, what is his name, G- Gabby Haynes or something from Butthole Servers. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, and Butthole Servers was kind of also kind of up and coming at this time, and um, they were pretty aggressive at the time. Yeah. So this is before they had the big hit with Pepper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> later on in the nineties. But um, yeah, man. Uh, it, this was just a, a big I remember um, MTV always had um, New World Order playing the video it was always on and stuff this was kind of like you you just could turn on the TV and see ministry you know yeah this was probably when they were the biggest I think they continued to be a big band but uh, you know this was this was definitely their peak as far as uh, as far as being original and cool. Um, they didn't really introduce a lot of new elements after this. And um, like I said, I love the record. I love that it's thrash. I love that it's punk or whatever. And I think that's the hard part for me, though, is like doing a metal show and listening to such brutal shit all the time, is that it can sometimes be hard for me to appreciate some of these 80s and 90s albums because they are super aggressive for that time. You know, but if I compare it to anything that came out after 2000, it's kind of a, a shit show, you know? Like you're like, man, this really isn't that aggressive. This isn't heavy. I've heard, I've heard faster punk bands. I've heard, you know, better thrash bands. And but uh, for the time and for being in the mainstream eye, I think this was super aggressive and uh, kind of not really comparable to anything else that was coming out right then. My problem with the album, if I was to give it some criticism, because I think that it still has that same sort of vibe as the one before it. But what I don't like about the album is I feel like some of the songs don't really go anywhere. Like they keep they get started and they get moving and you get vibing. Like just one fix is a perfect example. It's it, it kind of presents itself as what it becomes pretty quickly and it is pretty long considering it doesn't really go anywhere once it starts. Yeah, I mean and five like full minutes of the, of the same just thing. Get, right. It's just sort of like, okay. It's that same sort of rhythm that dan and dan dan and and it's just like okay and it's rocking and when he starts singing and he's doing his vocals you're like yeah this is so awesome but then you're like okay <laughs> you know and and a lot of the songs kind of don't have a real direction 
And I've always thought that this record, even though it was the commercial peak for them, I find that the songs become a little repetitive before I would say that about the album before it and the uh, certainly the album after it. I, I think um, I think this one's kind of like falls a little flatter for me songwriting wise, which is weird because it's like their biggest album. I think it went platinum or something. It was huge when it came out. And I'm wondering at this point, is Ministry the secret influence in the background that everybody pulled from? You had the land of rape and honey that predated pretty hate machine by nine inch nails and right. arguably they have some similar feel even though nine inch nails has its own feel i've mentioned it and i will mention it next week as well it feels like music performed by machines when i'm listening to mm-hmm. psalm 69 i'm hearing things that i would hear later on by bands like rammstein skinny puppy but i'm also hearing some things that i heard nine inch nails doing so I don't know if Ministry just existed and tried to do what everybody else did, but just had one guy in the band that was a disruptor, or if they're the secret influence that everybody else is pulling from. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that uh, there's some truth to that for sure. I think they're the band that were prominent in in sort of writing the Bible of industrial to a lot of to a lot of degrees, but but because I think of the humor and the silliness, and I think, and in some ways, just because of Al, how do you say his last name? Jorgensen? Jor- how do you say that? Jorgensen is. Jorgensen, yeah. I think because of Al just being who he is, and sort of his his contribution being more of the um, high school jinx side of it. I think they don't get that credit. Like it's not like front and center. I think bands like Nine Inch Nails went on to be so much bigger commercial successes and Grammy winners and all that stuff, but. You know, I think that if you were to ask Trent Reznor, you know, where he got his start, I mean, I mean, I think he would he would predate Ministry a little bit, but I think he would also have to admit that those first few Ministry records were certainly that and like Skinny Puppy were certainly a part of it. And they're so early. Ministry went so early back that you kind of have to say to them, say, yeah, you guys are like sort of like the the writers of this thing. But I think what take why people don't have that in their like mind is like when you think of the greats you think of ministries on the top of the list i think it's because because of owl's sort of immature he kind of held them back from being more than just a i don't want to say a parody because they weren't a parody for a while there but like just you know what i mean like the that sort of like like you guys were saying the on the nose humor side Make some sort of not be taken as seriously. I don't think. I mean, you can't take an album seriously that's called the uh, the you know the way to suck eggs or whatever. And Jesus built my hot rod. You know. I don't know, man. Some anti nowhere league fans would say that's exactly when you should take it seriously. Well, I think that's just the problem <laughs> yeah. is that the punk influence is going to start to hurt it more than anything because like we get to Filth Pig in 1996, and this record was really fucking boring in Dude, my opinion really yeah this is my favorite ministry album it starts off strong oh man i love every second it of starts it. off strong and uh and man, noisy I, I was so curious where you were gonna go with this and i thought <laughs> it was gonna be in the same direction with me but steven i always find a way to piss you off you do every time you son of a bitch i am <laughs> i really joe, am joe help me out here man what do you think of filth pig Filth Pig 
And I'm going to start this by saying I'm not the biggest ministry fan. I like industrial, but right. this style kind of runs together sometimes. Just as it is by itself, it sounds to me like an over-the-top Nine Inch Nails ripoff. Even the name, Filth Pig, I'm thinking March of the Pigs. And I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know that this came out before Nine Inch Nails did that song, but the 90s had that common mentality amongst these bands. I don't dislike this record, but it's a little bit slower, a little bit more laid back of what they did previous. I can say, because I know they recorded this album around the time of Downward Spiral, I would say that they probably were not taking much influence from Nine Inch Nails yet. Um, I certainly, from a fan perspective, could see your point. But what... uh, I mean, in terms of the titles, I mean, um, the thing I love about Filth Pig is, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Paul Barker. I, that side of ministry is what makes ministry cool to me, was, was the post-punk kind of aggressive edge that Paul Barker brought. And in my opinion, ministry is two people, one person who brings the punk and the other person who brings the... Um, bad attitude and the drugs <laughs> uh, I who mean, brings I the drum and that's, and that's clearly al yeah but like you know what i mean like one of them is i mean okay i'm jumping ahead a little bit here but let me just say this when paul barker left ministry you clearly saw which direction it went and that direction is basically what i'm trying to say that direction is the half of ministry that was always in ministry was the al side and then there's the Paul Barker side. And the Paul Barker side is the artistic side. And it's like clear as day. And with Filth Pig, it's what I love about it is they became they broke from the industrial like like they were going in a path from Land of Rape and Honey through to Psalm 69. Those three records are almost like a musical trilogy in the sense that they're what the guitars were doing and what the um the way the drums were like it was kind of like a similar style even though it was a lot of change in between but filth pig was like a, it broke off from what they were doing like it now we're doing songs that aren't thrash beats or or like dance beats now we're doing almost like uh, more alternative music or like a more groove metal kind of sound little bit of that i wouldn't necessarily call it groove metal because that makes me think of like corn or something but like but i know what you mean like it's 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 slower it's 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 more it's definitely the heaviest album i mean it's just super the tone is just really heavy but what i love about it is i don't know how closely you guys listen to tracks like the fall but the it's just super trippy. It's like there's super psychedelic moments going on. It's real heavy. It's doomy. There's like a, a live band sound to it now that isn't. It doesn't have so much of a of a programmed sound. Um, and I and I really think vocally, this is Al's best stuff. Vocals, like it just, it's just such an amazing vocal performance. I don't know. I just I'm a fan of that mid '90s artsy side stuff when bands like Primus were out and bands like Porno for Pyros and all that stuff was kind of front and center. 120 minutes was on MTV. All that was happening. That's when this album came out and it just 
kind of brings back memories of that era of just the we're well into the 90s and we're past nirvana now and we're just doing really trippy shit and like that's why i've always just from day one and i love the bob dylan cover too i think it's really cool even though paul barker hates it but (laughs) but yeah the first song's amazing um i love it all the way through but i have to say the fall is probably my favorite song well and i'm like a 12 year old basically so some of this (laughs) stuff doesn't really uh some of this stuff doesn't really like get me like it should like i listened to it i thought it was kind of creepy it was kind of weird but i'd kind of already heard that on the last three ministry albums so i just found i found the punk energy of psalm 69 and the mind is a terrible thing like i found that stuff to be a little bit more enjoyable because it was more upbeat a little bit more fun and keep in mind when i'm listening to 14 fucking albums in a week it's kind of like i get to this one and i'm like oh fuck i gotta stay awake for this one and uh I think that was that was the hard part because it was significantly slower and wasn't really upbeat like the other ones, and so it didn't really grab me. Maybe like it should have. If I'd been listening to this for a decade or two, you know, maybe I'd feel differently about it. But I found this one to be kind of the boring one. I just think between the packaging of it, the the, the way the cover art looks, and the and just the the production, everything about it, this is kind of the more interesting part of their discography for me. And um, uh, this might be a good time to point out the politics stuff, which we've kind of bypassed. And I'm not interested in talking about their politics. I just want to point out that there was a lot of politics. Um, And uh, the cover art is clearly a political message. Um, I like it because it's photography. Um, Photography art always is just going to get a little bit of a plus for me because it's you know it's you're looking at an image that's real and it's not like a drawing or doesn't have a sort of a level of like a cheesier quality to it but i don't know what it is on the dude's head i'm assuming it's like a heart or a liver or something or a bladder (laughs) i don't know what it is but uh looks like a 1970s grindhouse art film yeah yeah i mean totally yeah yeah it's got a it does have like a movie poster vibe to it a little bit and it has the, i like the i like the the dude standing there with the flag going the other direction don't blame me pin and all that but um it's just another example of i like it even if i don't agree with it um politically i could give two shits about this band i think their politics are absolute garbage but well because and we'll talk about it when we get into the really political albums but Filth Pig wins an award for having the best name of all the Ministry albums. Um, and finally stopped doing the play on words crap. The well, on the, they, on the nose unfortunately, he didn't stop. It's but, about uh, to come back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, does it ever? <laughs> oh, my God. It gets really bad after a while. So They, 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 they just lost their shame at this point after, yeah. the, after the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 1999, Dark Side of the Spoon has cover artwork that basically has me sitting on a stool naked uh, <laughs> with a dunce cap on writing the same lines over and over and over again on a chalkboard. How big is that spoon, Dan? Oh my god, it's so big it has That's a dark a side. Spoon. Guys, dark side of the spoon. Get it? You guys get I it? get it. You get it? You know what blew my mind was like from the second I saw the title, I knew exactly what they were referencing. Obviously, I mean, you'd have to be a complete idiot not to know that. But what I thought was really funny was they actually, if you read press interviews from that era, 
which would be like 98 or 99 or something, um, there are people who actually ask them. Now, when you titled this album, is this at all referencing Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the, of the Moon? Wow, like people what a great had question. to ask them that question. Which I, it just blows my mind that that it's just it's sad it's really sad but um, okay really excited about your opinions of this album I'm curious <laughs> well uh, I kind of liked this one a little bit a little bit and the reason was because of the weird <laughs> vocals and the the speed it kind of sped up again and I feel I don't know, I got a little bit more of that artsy experimental side. Uh, from like the mind is a terrible thing on it. Um, I don't love this album, but I think it's. Uh, I think I'm starting to get into the territory of it's just another ministry album, and really? I think yeah, I think it's cool. Like I like it more than I like Filth Pig, and it's funny because uh, one of the genre tags on Google Music for this album is comedy. Which is really weird. Yeah, that's terrible. I don't know I who mean, labels that stuff. I think it's probably stuff, the cover art or something. But probably it looks like a, it looks like one of those early Adam Sandler album covers. You know. Yeah. Which song is the one with the where they're making fun of Metallica? Is it Step or Nursing Home? I think it's Nursing Home. The one where they're doing the whole like I need some help, please help me. You know. Um, Nobody told them they were five years too early with that one. Yeah, that would have been right. a perfect song. Like right when Saint Anger came out. Because I think that album ends with James Hetfield screaming like, help, help, kill, kill, kill. <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God. Ugh. I just watched some kind of monster yesterday. Oh, I'm so sorry. Again. Yeah. Should have listened to more ministry. But uh, I, I think this is album. This is like my second favorite album, if not third. It depends on where. Sometimes I think that the mind is a terrible thing to taste is my second favorite. But um, I, I think it's it's in the same line as Filth Pig for me. It's like the sequel to Filth Pig. It's heavy. It's really super psychedelic and trippy. It's weird as hell. Dude's got saxophone samples going on. All kinds of weird stuff going on. They're clearly on heroin, like out oh, the yeah. wazoo oh, at this yeah. point. Like if they weren't already from a few albums ago, they certainly are now. I mean, I mean, they obviously just titled the album "High We're on Heroin," but um, that would have been funnier. Hi, we're on heroin. The but dark I mean, side I mean, of the spoon. If you give them like three more out, al- yeah, if, if, three more albums later, they would have just said it, said it that way. But like, yeah. in that context, know, bad- which side is the dark side? The one that gets burned, or the one that has the drugs in it? Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's deep. Yeah. Um, if you want to know what the dark side of the spoon is, you have to ask Dan because he's the guy on the cover, apparently. Right, yeah, as he absolutely. stated. So, but um. Uh, I, I I agree. I also think this is a throwback a little bit to the uh, um, mind is a terrible thing or like the rape of honey stuff. It's a little bit more of like the stripped down industrial, and it doesn't have as much of the guitar laden craziness all over it. Um, it's funny. All I wrote in my notes for this album was weird. It is really weird, but I really like it. I love the bass guitar tone. I love that it's just kind of. Um, I'm a fan of like downtuned and sludgy bass guitars, and that's always been a front and center element to my music. And I, that's another reason why I love Filth Pig and Dark Side, which is it just has this like post punky kind of weird experimental edge to it that the other albums were just straightforward, you know. I don't know. Some of these albums are hard to talk about because like you listen to them, you're like, oh shit, what was that that I just listened to? And uh, this was definitely one of those. 
Like it's just yeah. so out there and weird that like it's hard to really compare it to anything. Like you said, it sounds kind of like Land of Rape and Honey, um, with a little bit more of an industrial sound to it, a little bit less guitar, less punk. You know, um, does anybody want to take a shot at pronouncing the name of the next album? Anamastatisamina. Okay, well, five stars. Insert clapping the, sound my, here my for Steven. My pronunciation or the actual album? No, the the actual, like, the way you said it. You said it perfectly, like you've been listening to it for years. I have been listening to it since 2003, when it came out. I've only heard yep. it once. Oh, man. Well, this is when I actually became a massive fan of the band. Like, where I, I, I already liked them. I had some of the stuff, but I wasn't, like, paying much attention. Like, when Animosity Samita came out, I was, like, that's when I was, like, going to their shows, finally, and really... Soaking in the experience of seeing them live, and I would say that I lost my hearing at their tour for this show. This the Sphinx tour, is it? Was it? Yeah, Sphinx I think tour. it was Sphinx tour. No, wait a minute, no, no, no. It was the Four and a K tour, I think. Oh, my bad. Does anybody else see Eric Idle in the back of the car going nudge, nudge, grin, grin, wink, wink, say no more? Yeah, something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I actually really like but, this uh, album. Dude, this album's amazing, and, yeah. and they were really criticized for the last two. Like nobody liked them after Psalm sixty nine. Like those, the ones you guys just shit on. Those two albums were were like uh, <laughs> shit on across the press and everything else. Um, I, and, I, and I realize that I, commercially they're not going to be as popular. I obviously like them because I'm a guy who likes nothing that's commercial, apparently. But but um, <laughs> but but I remember people just hating dark side when it came out and just saying god these bands just lost our edge completely and i just thought it was cool so when this one came out it was i remember everyone was saying this is the they're back this is the return uh we hate the president and that's why this is so heavy you know <laughs> right i mean you know? this is psalm 70 right you know <laughs> yeah, like right, it, right. that would have been a better title but like this has the edge it has the thrash it has the punk it has the hardcore vocals it's what i want out of a ministry album and this is kind of mm -hmm. what i expected the band to sound like and uh as i frequently the, am i was disappointed later on i was gonna say and it has the, i think their best cover art that they've ever had is this album cover without a doubt <laughs> yeah. it's so it's so wrong what they did but it's just so awesome um what is this steven just a llama with stickers on it it's a lamb. I, I thought, thought it was a dead sheep. Wasn't it yeah, a dead sheep? I thought it was a sheep or a lamb. <laughs> With all those religious symbols making its face. Like it's just it's so it still has the wink wink nudge nudge, but it's just but again it doesn't have the cheese to it. It's still it's so, there's disturbingness. There's a disturbing vibe to it. And it's and it has a real poignant and there's nothing written on it either. It's just a picture. It's an image. And um I love the way it's the titles written on the backside. I love the art direction of this album. It just they have a cool look to them still. Um, it's not a cheesy like anarchist patch from a punk band like they become later. It's just really still has that Paul Barker cool side. And it, this album, in my opinion, is the essential Ministry album because it has everything that they've ever done, including the Phil Pig stuff. It's all there. This but is the last just, ministry album you can take seriously. Yeah, it, it, well, it's the last one with Paul Barker. An interesting, and and uh, the tour for this was insane. I mean, live, this this I don't know if you've ever seen them live, 
at this part of their their like before or around this time but this show was blisteringly loud and i stood in this show i was in the front when they came out and opened with the opening song from this album i immediately was in agonizing pain i put my fingers in my ears i pushed them as hard as i could into my skull and i could not get it to stop it hurt so bad i ran to the backstage or, or, or the back of the show and stood and watched them from the very back of a huge venue and I still couldn't get it to stop. It hurt so bad. And I couldn't hear for six days because this band is so completely, ridiculously stupid loud. And he came out with this mic stand that had like steel pieces to it and it had like animal bones and skulls and it had, it just, <laughs> it just, his microphone stand embodied what ministry is. Well, hi, we're from, we're like a Texan. Uh, Johnny Cash loving group of people who play industrial music. He had the cowboy hat, you know. Um, he was just leaning on this micro st- microphone stand full of skulls and bones and steel parts, and it was just the vis- the whole visual piece of this band was just on point. It was amazing. Hey Dan, and- is that Hank the Third up there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You kids ready to hear some hardcore? We kind of jumped over that, but he's he his presence live. They had a real like country western vibe, with like a but like a leather, like a leathered out country western vibe. I think that's kind of what made them cool. Was like they didn't look the part of like they didn't look like Trent Reznor with like the fishnet stocking sleeves and the and the goth makeup. They were they were just dudes with leather. They didn't go the industrial route where they were wearing like you know steel yeah. helmets with like fake red eyes and shit with like nails coming out of the helmet and shit yeah you they know just looked cool it's like they, at they that just... point you could either be guar or you could be nine inch nails and they were uh hank williams instead you know yeah totally and i, I always thought they had a really great image to them for up till this point and yeah um i saw them with anthrax at this show and Gross. the band that opened for them was a band called Motograter. Motograter, yeah. Oh, we man. Know all about Motograter. I, I, I say it like Motograter because that's exactly how the singer introduced them. That's hilarious. He said, we are Motograter. And I remember laughing out loud at that. What year was that? 2003. I wonder if that that was pre... Okay, because I know the singer of Motograter on their first album went on to become the lead singer of Five Finger Death Punch. Totally makes sense because I pictured that absolute garbage when I uh, was thinking of the motor grader. <laughs> Steven had go. a premonition just... at that show. He said, in 15 years, this is going to be absolute shit. Yep. <laughs> I said, this is already absolute shit. I can't imagine what a pile of shit would grow into in 15 years. and It's just a bigger pile of shit. Well, I mean, look at what ministry grew into. With five and... fingers. Are you saying you remember everything, Steven? <laughs> 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 wow. So oh, let's uh, let's move on, shall we, to Houses of the Moly? Well, hold on. I just want to know what are your standout tracks on on the Animosity Mina? Because I just want to know. Just curious. Lockbox. Did you guys get a vibe of a little bit of it, almost like a Ramones punk side too, a little bit in some songs? Oh yeah. Maybe maybe I was thinking Lockbox actually. Is that the punk one? Yeah, Lockbox was more punk. I liked that one. 
Yeah. Um, I liked Impossible. Most of the ministry albums have a moment or two or seven where Joe wants to slam dance. There you go. There you go, yeah. My favorite's Unsung. I love it. Um, I love his vocals. And I really like the Peter Murphy cover, The Light Pours Out of Me. Really good stuff. Oh, so, because we're going to go into the next record. So, okay, Paul Barker leaves the band after this. Right. And already in the goth industrial community of which I was a part of, um, there was concern in the camp. We were worried because anyone who knew the band at this point knew Paul Barker was the cool factor. And when he left, we knew what we were left with. The last time we had just Al in control is when we had, you know, with sympathy. <laughs> and we and we knew, we just knew. I mean, if, if you were a fan this time, you just knew where that Eric Idle nudge nudge stuff was coming from. And it was a little bit of a concern. And I, I remember saying to my buddy, he said, I don't think they're going to be good anymore because Paul Barker's gone. And I said, I want to hear what this new record's going to sound like because I'm really thinking they're they're really swinging them out right now. They're, they're doing a good job. Well, and then we got it. Well, I mean, he's right, but not for the reasons that he thought. Um, uh, Let's hear it. What do you think? I think musically these albums are okay. Sorry if I'm lumping the next two in with it, but they are a trilogy of sorts. They are a trilogy of sorts, but I think they deserve to be spoken about yeah. individually. Oh, yeah, we will. I have we will. so many different thoughts on them. But. Houses of the Moly is no, one guy. Is that a takeoff of Houses of the Holy? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that, is that a it? A band called Led Zeppelin? Mind is blown. Did you know that? That is so smart. That is so smart. <laughs> I feel like a journalist. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. This I is one this guy. Album. I, I think musically this is a, the best of the three. The oh, thing God, is, yeah. the thing is, is that you've got one guy that just lost one of his principal songwriters, trying to keep up the appearance of I didn't lose anybody, and so I think that's why musically it really goes for the throat in being heavier and just more insane kind of than they had been before. The thing that really drags it down for me is I love the music. I love the energy. I love the attitude. It's just what he's singing about isn't uh -huh. even something that I necessarily disagree with, but it is so shoved down my throat that it makes the rest of it really unenjoyable for me. So, like, you start off with no W. Oh, my God. Who's the president of the United States right now? George W. Bush? Oh, my God. What a piece of shit. Oh, my God. Not sure if you're – I might be the journalist moron again, but I don't know if you picked up that they were spoofing NWO. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> New World Order. Yeah, it's just it's it's terrible though. It's all it's like it's too much of that now. Yeah, you got the title, and now you got like now the song titles are invading us with the with the puns and the dumb, you know. Well, and if words. I if I already don't like George W. Bush, why do I have to spend most of the album listening to him talking? And like, not only do I have to listen to him talking the entire time, but like it's all cut up to make him say different shit than he actually said. Which, like, really bothers me because it's like you can if, if you want to look at a political figure and point out all the horrible things that they've said or done, that shit should speak for itself. You shouldn't have to go in and change what was said in order for it to match whatever politics you're trying to throw out there. It kind of destroys your political point. 
It really does. And again, right. Al's not like a well-spoken dude. Like I get to the point now where I realize I don't really like Al that much. Like as a person, like I don't like his humor very much. And when he tries to be serious, like it, it's like even worse. And I'm starting to realize that this is not like a well-spoken, this is not like clever, aggressive music. Like it's not a political satire. It's just straight up. There's two sides to this issue. I've chosen one side and that's what I'm going to fucking stick with. And that is so polarizing. It doesn't work. I like I dude, I just want to hear some fucking blasting thrashy tunes. Well, and yeah, I do I mean, get that. They're as bad as fucking you too at this point because all they do is talk about politics and you just want them to shut up and entertain you. Right. And thankfully with this album it is entertaining musically, but I mean, I was a conservative then. I'm a conservative now. I didn't think George Bush was the villain that everybody was painting to be now. And it's so funny that now people are willing to admit that right? because of who we have now. And because even guys like George Bush, W. Bush, would, would, would be very different from what conservatives have voted for now. Um, and what's really crazy is if you go back, politically speaking, if you go back to bands like this, if you go back to the Dead Kennedys, because I bring them up because there's a there's a relationship between Jello Biafra and 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 now Jordan Jorgensen, um, where they've done some music together and stuff, and there's always been a political commentary. And the commentary has changed. The the political climate has changed and so their messages have changed. Like their politics don't even stay consistent. And that's what's so irritating to me is like they're just they're just attacking the next conservative for whatever reason. In this case, it was war. It was the whole, you know, everything we, everything post 9-11, all of the shit that happened um, just accumulated and everyone was just sick of it. And then here comes ministry with uh, just an overwhelming preachy anti-Bush, you know, it's like him and uh, what's his face? Uh, the guy who made Fahrenheit 9-11, how can I have seriously forgotten this dude's name? It was Michael Moore. Michael Moore, thank you. It's like it's like what Michael Moore was doing with, with documentaries. Ministry was doing with music. It was just it was just like chill out. Yeah, like, but even Michael know. Moore was like smarter than this. It's one of those annoying things. It's what I've been complaining about this whole time. It's is it's so obvious and so on the nose. And like I just like to look for more than that. I like to look for more intelligent things to be said. And I kind of feel like the only reason these albums are so politically charged, like, don't get me wrong. I believe that Al hates George W. Bush. Like, that's clear. But and he it seems like yeah. he feels like it has to be that way in order to be ministry. Right. Like, he and feels now, like I was just going to say that if it's going to be punk, it has to be anti-political. Right. And you know what? That that shows so much more now with the newest record, because it's like, hey, we have a culturally unpopular a conservative president so now it's time to be do a ministry album like now it's become a parody right because i remember when when animosity came out they were getting interviewed and everyone was saying man this is such a return to form for you and i remember either he or paul barker said something like i probably al said this said um yeah we're only good when we have a terrible president in office and i thought that was really funny because at the time it hadn't been played out yet because they had really only just done the psalm 69 stuff and because animosity really wasn't heavy on the, you know, it wasn't like hitting over the head with politics. Didn't, at least it didn't seem that way. Um, but we we were still we had we had W in the office at that point. I remember he was 
he was saying, you know, we anytime we do a record that's this aggressive and poignant, is when we have a terrible president or something like that. And yeah, I, it's stupid so, because you didn't. Oh, it wasn't always that way. Right, right. So, and at the time, it was a it was a funny thing to say in an interview, and I kind of laughed because it just because it wasn't played out and it hadn't become the parody. But then when they did this record. And I was, and and it was just like, okay, whatever. We know you hate George W. Bush, and you want to do a record about it. Whatever, don't care. But the music at least slays, so that's cool. Yeah, it's but good then record music. Yeah, and and I would say production-wise, it's one of their best. I mean, it's super good electronic sound. It's the guitars are heavy, and his vocal. It still sounds industrial, and that's what's important to me. It still sounds like an industrial band. Um, it's going away, <laughs> but it uh. But it's certainly still there. So moving on to Rio Grande Blood or Rio Grande Blood, depending on how you want to pronounce it. God, it's just the yeah. same fucking thing again. Like with less production and with more less metal production, production, more metal. They're definitely trying to. They're definitely trying to go on more metal tours here. And but it, what I hate is it starts off and it's just more fucking George W. Bush quotes, and I'm like, fuck, man. Like you've already shoved this down my throat once, and now you're doing it again. And it just it just kept going in that direction, and it do, it never stops all the way all the way to the end. Like, um, I just while you're talking about this, I just wanted to point out that it was really funny to me that that the first song on the last album was called No W, and every track after that had a W in it. Yeah, was started with a W anyway. I just anyway go on. You fucked up Dumb. there, Al. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you're going for. But uh, yeah, Rio Grande right. Blood is equally as aggressive as houses of the moly except it doesn't sound quite as good it sounds a little bit more rushed it sounds a little more like it was meant to not be industrial like it sounded produced like a metal yeah sound yeah and this probably got them or on like more metal tours sound. it's more modern sounding too like just with some of the blasting drums and everything and i did appreciate that about it but like it was such a rehash of houses of the moly just trying to be more extreme it just it didn't really connect with me and again the lyrics had a lot to do with that and i just really didn't appreciate it very much like it's like i already have houses of the moly so if like i really want that i could just listen to that album and then like it's okay yeah it's just more of the However, same shit i do have to give it some props for a few things um for one it features the late great paul raven on bass <clears throat> who I got to see in concert during this tour. Um, so I was fortunate because he had passed away very soon after. And if you don't know who he is, he was in the killing joke. He was one of the, yeah. probably the most important era of killing jokes career. Um, and, uh, just a huge talent and, uh, really cool, cool bassist. And I do like the songs on this album. I think they're still, it still hasn't hit me like, okay, I'm so done with you now. Like it, it's still, I put it in, and I was still enjoying the songs. And I, the only thing I complained about was the George Bush stuff and um, the production. But, you know, there's some stuff to like here. Remove of the politics. You know what I mean? I think that there's still... I kind of was like buying the, answer, the no Paul Barker thing for a little while, at least in the musical sense. I mean, it was clear as day that Paul Barker was out of there because... I mean, you read the interviews. It was it was a lot of it was musical, musical direction. Well, I think that's clear as day that he left and they became straight up metal. Basically, like, we want to go back to Psalm sixty nine. We want to be relevant again. You know, we're going to go even further. That's kind of like a thing. But um, 
I think that it lost some of its artsy side, which whether you liked it too much or not in those those late '90s albums, I think it, I think it just needs to be there still, and it's not. But weirdly enough, they did two records without them that I didn't think were terrible. Um, oh, just wait. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. In fact, they don't even get through the trilogy for me. No, dude, the last sucker. I'm just gonna move on to that one because it's because it's the last sucker. Get it out of the no, way. No, it's not the last sucker. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're the last sucker if you bought this album. Like, did you feel? Did you feel like when it came out? Did you feel like an immediate like drop in quality in all ways? Oh yeah, because I did. And it's weird because like uh, cosmetically, it seems to be in the same vein as the last two albums. But like that's pretty much it. Like it's a cosmetic similarity. Even the look of it looks cheap. Oh my god, I know. Like it's just it doesn't even have the quality like they didn't feel like they were like not on a major label or something even though they weren't. It's just stupid. It's got this like self-indulgent I don't know, like symbols on the like, it's just it's just stupid George looking. Bush as a uh, snake or whatever. Yeah, it's That's just the cover I have. Oh, okay, the one that, the one that I'm looking at is just like a black cover with like a weird symbol on the front of yeah, it. Yeah, there's different ones. Yeah, I've seen them. And um, yeah, these are just really just dumb to me. And I just like the the politics are back. There's still more George more George Bush quotes, and it's weird because like by 2007, like a lot of people were over that. You know, like the dude's only going to be president for like a few more days. You know, at this point. So, like, wh- why is that? And th- the weird thing is, too, is that, like, I'm not a hardcore conservative. And so, like, I totally understand where they're coming from on some of these things. But, again, it's just, like, so pushed down my throat here. And the music's not as good. Like, that's a big problem. Um, <clears throat> right. Because before, I was willing to kind of look past that and go into it. But it's like, I don't even disagree with your politics, dude. But, like, I disagree with the way you're going about it. Like, you're just acting like an asshole, like a hateful asshole that's yelling at another hateful asshole and you just want to see like who's louder and like that's just kind of some weird fight fire with fire shit and uh you know this album wasn't compelling musically and oh my god like what i hate about it the most is the last songs end of days which you know i'm going to use this word again and then i'm not going to use it anymore on this podcast it's so self-indulgent like it's like all melodic with like these like gang choruses and stuff like and it just drags on and like the last song drags on forever and it's just like look at us look at this cool important you know humanity uniting point that we just made it's like you didn't dude your your point was your point was i don't like this dude and he's in office and i'm pissed off about it yeah you know go cry about it like i don't know it just it just really rubbed me the wrong way and it just sounded like they were trying to take something that wasn't profound and try to make it more profound than it really was for me it's too much too fast we had enough of the george bush stuff already now it's just one too too many and it's production it's it's asking me it's asking for us as listeners to really accept a lot and i'm saying this as a person who put out an album called the spirit trill that's 55 minutes long in one track but i (laughs) but i'll say that it's 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 asking a lot for the listener to take a third album bashing you over the head with the politics but now we're going to ask you to appreciate it with less song quality and feels like a bunch of leftovers and the production is a complete drop in it's like the first time i actually went like ooh. 
This doesn't sound like the band ministry that's been out since the 80s. This sounds like a band that just started. Like it's like a local band being industrial. Like it didn't. It just to me, it just reeked of of generic. Well, it was written and recorded in less than a year, and it shows, like big time. Yeah, and that made me wonder if some of the good stuff that came out after Paul left was written with Paul there, and maybe was just taken in a different direction or whatever. Like maybe some of the cool factor was in those uh, first couple post paul barker albums because maybe there was just some leftover work that still lingered and i mean i don't want to give credit where it isn't due but and probably i'm probably wrong but it just i guess i guess it takes some transitioning to suck right like it doesn't always happen overnight kind of like when a band i don't know transition but i mean but they had an album in between sucking right they, i mean the scrolls was great and then post momentary was okay was good and then blood world was terrible yeah. but like <laughs> but we could talk about tourniquet sucking right away but anyway. nah, no we'll um, get off that <laughs> but but um you know it's like it takes a little bit of you know you're you're, you're riding a wave because you, you are what you are and you're, you're doing this type of work and you're surrounded by this much support and you've had this much success so you don't just immediately fall from that grace, you know, like or that that place. Like you, um, you, you, you have to eventually start running out of steam. And so maybe they started to run out of steam. Paul Barker decided to, to bail when the when the they're at their peak, and and they were still okay. But this is where they finally like <laughs> the fumes have officially ran out, and they ran out of gas. And it's like we've a, we've we've no longer can hide behind the curtain of a once great band we've officially run out of material and steam and things to say and we don't even have the fan support we used to have and we don't have the label support we used to have and now we can't even go into a real studio or maybe they could it just didn't i don't know i don't know what the deal is about i mean this is like metallica like they they can't get a great produced album and they're like the biggest rock band on the earth you know it's something about i don't know why bands like ministry bands like metallica bands like black sabbath uh, bands like the smashing pumpkins these bands that all put out like these big new re- return albums didn't hire younger more cutting edge more um relevant producers um who are doing these records with like bands like high on fire and bands like torch who have the ability to make a way bigger sounding album than like rick rubin or um you know wherever the shitty places the melvins have been recording you know <laughs> it, it just seems like it, it's just odd to me that the bands as big as a, like the pumpkins as big as metallica like i'm sorry but I, as much as i love 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 hardwired metallica's production is garbage compared to like a high on fire record or a, like a mastodon record you know like the productions of those types of bands and you'd think that they would be relevant enough or have the have the, the people working around them to be relevant enough to say hey you're falling behind you're not as relevant as you used to be you need to hire a younger producer who knows how to get the sound and you know what believe it or not you guys don't have to spend a million dollars to make the record either you can spend like ten thousand and it'd still be amazing and like i go i say all that to go back to this ministry this is where they just start sounding like they're out of touch and they don't have the support around them anymore or the people speaking truth to them anymore saying you guys are this isn't this isn't good like you need to wake up and get some 
more relevant support around you and do something different now. Well, and they basically and they quit after this since. Well, that's true, but yeah, but then, but then, how many years in between did they have the chance to think about that and learn from their mistakes, and then come back with something better? Yeah, I mean, five year gap between the two records. Um, yeah, we, and you're like, okay, they're they're going to do a new record. Um, I had heard that they quit because he was going to become a teacher. Oh, I didn't read that. I didn't uh, dig as deeply as I should have. I just figured that nobody gave a shit about him and they just went away, which is actually what happened. But, you know, like, um, but yeah, he might have quit for a specific reason. But I mean, if you just look at that album, I don't think it probably did as well. And he probably was like, okay, shit, well, I better, I better do something else. You know, <laughs> they come back in 2012 with an album called Relapse, which probably has like their worst cover artwork. Um, oh, no, I don't think it's their worst, but it's their worst up to date for sure. Yeah, like it's it's pretty bad. It's just got a dude that's like puking on the floor with a bunch of beer bottles. One of them has the dumb Anarchy logo on it, and uh, you know it's, it's just like, uh, wow. yeah. Uh, however, I did find this album to be a little bit more refreshing uh, after having after having to suffer through the the trilogy. Um, I kind of liked that weird phone call that was on there. Uh, where he's like, yeah, this is Al Jorgensen. Uh, I need to talk to your boss. And she's like, um, he's on vacation, uh, on family leave, on like gave all these dumb excuses. And then she's like, but he did leave me a message for you. And he said, just call back when you're dead. <laughs> was that this album? I think that was this album. Yeah. The, and, the, the humor is definitely in those, in those types of settings, the humor works for me for sure. Yeah, this one was not as politically charged, I didn't feel. Um, it was kind of a step back from that, and it was kind well, of we better had for him. We had Obama. Yeah, we did. You know, so I guess they were like, oh, okay, this is all right. Well, like I said, at this point, it's a performance, so they were like, we can't do that anymore because Obama's in office now. Right. I mean, but it wasn't as bad uh, as far as that stuff went for me. Um, I really did enjoy this album quite a bit because it, it, it had a little bit different of a vibe and it had much better production um i just thought it sounded bigger and beefier just more modern overall and that could just be because it was 2012 and that's the only way you can record but uh you know i i like the way this one sounded and i found it to be a pretty good comeback for the band i'm just sad that it was as short-lived as it was i when it came out when it came out initially i hated it when i heard it i thought it was even stepped down from the last sucker um but I think it's because I was just I was just tired of it, and like I had been I had gotten so into him, and then it gotten so quickly out of it. It was too much, too fast, and then it was just sort of like you know you need a break, and I need I just needed a real good break from him, and it wasn't enough of a break. And it, so when this came out, I was like, oh, I want to hear hear if if this is pretty cool or something, and I really just yearned for like the Paul Barker era again, or just something that resembled classic ministry. And I was still getting metal ministry. And I think that and just because I'm so sensitive to production and, and I did feel like it was just more of that typical modern production. I just didn't like it at all when it came out. Now, having gone back and listened to it just to refresh myself for this and because I feel like there's been worse things since, I feel like it actually made and this and The Last Sucker musically and produced production wise. I felt like, you know what, this actually isn't the worst stuff from them you know it's it's not as bad as i remembered it being is it as bad as from beer to eternity (laughs) (sighs) 
Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Where are we? What band are we even talking about anymore? This is. Can I remind everybody that in 1983, the band put out an album called With Sympathy, and it sounded like shitty Depeche Mode. Who are we talking about anymore? Yeah, I know, right? Who is this band? It's just the Al Show, man. And it's not even industrial anymore. And I think the yeah. I think the issue I have with it is that like they're really good as an industrial band, but they're definitely not the most interesting metal band out there. Like they're not like metal used to, used to be like an accompaniment to what Ministry had going on. And when it's the main focus, it doesn't work. It's like a it's like in a movie how like you you look at a movie like X Men and who's the coolest character in X Men? Wolverine, right? right? So somebody decided that it would be a really good idea to make movies that were only starring Wolverine. Are those movies as good as the X-Men movies? Some of them are better. Many of them are not. I disagree. I think that side characters don't work as main characters. The reason a side character is cool is because they come out and they do this thing you don't expect and then they walk off screen again. Whereas whenever they become the main focus, they have to try to flesh them out and make it more interesting. And that's kind of what the metal is in ministry for me is they're not, it's not compelling enough to support itself. Yeah, it's where, whereas like Houses of the Moly and even Rio Grande Blood, um, well, they're losing their industrial edge, but at least there's some metal to compensate the industrial. But like, I feel like now they've, they're like, well, we forgot that we were first and foremost an industrial band. We've gotten used to just being all this heavy, aggressive, like thrash stuff. But now that's subpar. So what do you have left? <laughs> you know. Yeah, but they're not even that interesting as a metal band. Even though right, those right, albums right. were more focused or whatever, they were more metal centric. They still weren't great. There's they're far more better metal bands than Ministry. Oh gosh, yeah, and, so, and industrial bands at this point. Well, yeah, and, and, and that. <laughs> but like, I guess they're just not strong enough as a metal band to really carry forward. And I feel like that's what they're still trying to do. And From Beer to Eternity was, again, kind of like The Last Sucker. It was re- recorded and released within a year of the of Relapse. And, you know, maybe they were, like, riding on the success of Relapse because I'm sure that record did pretty well. Uh, but From Beer to Eternity has a stupid name. Like, we're back to the old ministry shit now. Not the good shit, just the shit. It's like, okay, so they've done those kind of titles, but those titles have never been... Like they've been cheesy or whatever, or parody or whatever you want to say, but but they've never been completely pointless, you know, because because to a to a large degree, you couldn't even understand why they even said it. Well, the dark side of the spoon, you knew why. But you're dealing with you're dealing with drug addiction, and that's a serious subject. So when you say the dark side of the spoon, yeah, it's cheesy in that way. It's that parody, goofy, haha title, but it's dealing with a really dark subject matter. So it doesn't give you this sort of like oh. Like that's just stupid. You get you get more of a man. That's like a darkness. There's a darkness about that. So, land of rape and honey, same thing. It's like, haha. That's a silly way. That's a silly play on the words. But we're talking about something that's pretty dark. And this is a band that's getting their start and becoming really dark. There's, there's just never been a title that has done that yet. But also just was like completely absolutely stupid just stupid and from beer to eternity wow really we went from dark side of the spoon talking about heroin addiction a harrowing disgusting addiction problem to beer like (laughs) like 
what is the, what is the sub what is the 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 message of this title now we're just finding words to 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 make it funny like like seriously what is the point of that title it's never been pointless is what i'm trying to say it's always had some kind of a point until now it's like somebody graduated from college and they're in their mid-20s and they get a job, a really serious lawyer firm, insert name if you will, and they are afraid to take themselves seriously so they turn in this really intense write-up of a case about murder and death and anything else Nathan Explosion writes a song about and the boss looks at it and says, man, this guy's really thorough, he really gets it. And then the guy walks in to give the presentation and says, See ya! Because he can't let go of the childhood aspects of his personality. Like, I can't take totally. myself seriously. <laughs> this is almost like that. We can't let go of the fact that we used to make jokes. We make jokes sometimes. Yeah. And I, I really I, wish I, I could skip this last funny. record. It's funny you're saying that because in my notes here, I actually made notes for these albums, believe it or not. Not all of them, just the ones I needed to actually have something to say about, which is, this is there. Um, I wrote, the dude looks like he's 60 or 70, but is still trying to get back at daddy. The eyebrow rings across the whole face is ridiculous. The hair has to be fake. He's like Darth Vader. I want to know what's underneath the costume. That was my notes for... I would say relapse through to the rest of the records. Like, <laughs> like the dude at this point isn't even a real person. He's just he's a he's a a character of Al Jorgensen. Like he's the he's trying to still look like he's in ni- mid nineties. He's still he's trying to be like I'm going. To, it, what it really just shows is like all of those titles that we've pointed out. It's like. You've just taken all of anything that if there was any sort of um, poignancy to any of it or urgency to any of it, you've taken it all away because at the end of the day, you really just show that you still think it's shocking to stick a needle through your eyebrow. Right. You know, it's you, you still think that we're all going, whoa, he's really crazy because you're doing something that I would have done. I would have thought was cool when I was like 15, you know, and this is a dude who's in his well, I guess he's in his 60s by now, or late 50s, 60s. Yeah. He's not a young dude. Yeah. And I'm just like, it just doesn't it just strike you as like super like childish and like, um, but like that he doesn't realize that it's childish. Like he still thinks like the more piercings I put in my face and the more tattoos to cover my actual face and the more of a badass and I'm addicted to cigarettes still and I drink and smoke still. Like, oh, I'm super, I'm a badass front man you can't fuck with. Like, that's like his whole vibe. And it's just, to me, it's just become a parody and it's silly. And then he puts out titles like From Beer to Eternity. It's like, it's almost like he doesn't care anymore. Well, let's get it out of the way then. 2018, America can't. <laughs> Why are there three K's in there, Joe? You guys get Tell it? Me. You get it? You eh? get it? You Nudge, guys get I it? Thought he, I thought... I thought he was just coughing. Yeah, or has a yeah has a stutter. Are you having allergies? Yeah. <laughs> it's America. <laughs> hey guys, no, there's a. There's I'm getting a flashbacks super... to that episode of Dinosaurs where they went to get the baby's name and the guy died, so they just wrote it down. Hey guys, <laughs> we have oh, a... I'm dying, you idiot. Next, it's like 
<laughs> Wait a second. When you when you said that, did you mean I should actually put in? Oh I think he God. really wants three Ks. Well, he did have an album called <sighs> From Beer to Eternity. No, look, guys, it's like it's got What's KKK worse? in it, like KKK. Like you guys get it? Like isn't that so? Like this is my version of being an old dude that's out of touch, that's trying to be fucking artsy, and it it's doesn't so work at all on so many levels. It doesn't work at all. And again, you want to talk about politics and you want to talk about what I agree with and don't agree with. This is just the same shit you did with the George W. Bush stuff with a new coat of paint on it, man. And it's not even that good musically. And your politics are worse and is in in uninformed as as somebody who sits on Facebook and makes memes. This is a meme. This is the title of this album is so stupid. Amara with three K's and instead of a can, it's can't. Whoa. We're saying so many dumb things in one sentence or one word that ugh, it's just there is absolutely nothing cool about this anymore. There's nothing. It's it's now we've gone now we're as bad as from beer to eternity. But now we've taken it even a step further. Now we're going to attack Trump. How much more tired can this guy be? You know? Yeah. I mean, but we wrote a song <laughs> called Wargasm. Get it? Like, it's like, get it's, like it's like war, but like mixed with orgasm. So like there's people out there that get off on war. You get it? Yeah. You guys get off on it? Like, I mean, you get it? You know, they have like a wargasm. Uh, yeah, it God, just, get has it. ministry ever presented themselves as a band that is against politics in general? Meaning, whatever the politician of the day is, we're against that. There are punk bands that are exactly that. Their record is just about whatever president Being anti-politics. we have. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Has ministry ever done that? So wait, so are you asking um is the does ministry have to have a message of anti-politics to the point where they don't even con- they all just contradict politically because they have to do it, you mean? Cuz I would argue yes. Do they think that their fans expect them to make an album that's against insert name of president? Yes. Yes. I, I would say yes because what I was saying before, their politics don't even con- aren't even consistent, and so like Trump, if they had, if Trump was president when they were writing in the mid '90s or late '80s, they probably would have loved him. So is this industrial metal or is this just really slow, anti-political punk? I don't know. It's it's definitely anti-political punk, but I think it's also an issue of just being out of touch with reality because because like they forgot that Trump wasn't even a damn politician in the first place. He was somebody who came in here because he was like, "Boy, the politicians are stupid. I think I can even do a better job because I have power and money." And people were so fed up with politics, which is the very message that I thought they were trying to say, whether it was liberal or you know, or democratic or or republican. I mean, Trump clearly, I think, stands for the Republican side more than the Democratic side. Well, but he does, didn't. He didn't start out that way, and there were Republicans who had a really hard time with him, and there were a lot of Republicans who didn't want to vote for him. And I had a hard time with it, even for a little while there. And like, the bottom line is, 
he was like a terrorist a terrorist to, to the politi- the political system in some regard and it was kind of a punk rock thing to vote for someone like him because it was a complete wrench in the machine and that was sort of the idea in the first place and i would think that that kind of pop that kind of political message would have been really attractive to ministry back in the day because they hated politics and they hated politicians and politicians were a sign of a liar and a, someone you can't trust so now here comes a dude who whether you like him or not was like I, this is such a broken fucked up system i can do better and then he came in and people actually voted for him against hillary clinton who was a politician since she was five you know what i mean so it's like why is he angry what is he so angry about because his politics are not consistent his it's not that it's not that he always stood for something and no one and he would only sing against those people who would be against it he doesn't even have consistent politics so why is this album called americant it should be called let the trumpets blow (laughs) right (laughs) Wow, man! That's you just actually, out you just that, out Al dude, Jorgensen to Al Jorgensen. You, you just blew, you just wrote the new Ministry album, and it's better than this album. That Shit, me and Joe could bang out a new Ministry album right now if this is all it has to sound like. <laughs> I mean, seriously, can oh, we talk about the music good. on this thing for a second? Speaking of the music, can we call it yeah, Unteachers sorry. of Metal? Unteachers of Metal. <laughs> Oh god. Like that's this is just weird shit. And like it's not even like it's not even boring in the sense of like you know, oh it's just the same thing over again or it's just another ministry album. This one does sound decidedly different than older ministry material, but not in a good way. It's not what any of us really want, and maybe we're all unpleasable metal fans, you know, together. But like it just it bugs the shit out of me that they think they can put out a stinker like this. But because they make the lyrics politically charged, that that people are going to buy it, like, uh, it, like, like that's the reason. I can tell you from personal experience, and all the people we've talked to on this podcast, I'm like the only dude that gives a shit about lyrics, and like, this doesn't really cut it for me musically at all. So even if the lyrics were like life changingly profound, I still wouldn't care. Like and it's you know that what makes boring. It even worse, you're yeah. But we know what makes that even worse. Like what you just said is true. But what makes it even worse is that they have two songs that are almost 10 minutes long, one right after the other in the beginning of the album. Yeah, what the hell, guys? It feels like, like I don't know about you, when I first heard this album, I put it on, I pushed play, I was like, I'm kind of curious because it's, again, I keep falling for this. So it's just another ministry album. I'm curious if they're going to be cool again. Put it on. I mean, I still do this with like bands like Tourniquet or Mortification, if you can believe that shit. I'm really sorry anyway, about that. You need to give up on Mortification. Oh, I have. Trust me. But I do, but there's always that like, what are they doing now? You put it in, you want to hear it. But I, I so I so I play it. I'm listening to it, and I I just remember thinking that the album was probably around the halfway point, and I was like, it feels like one long song that never ended, and just I don't even. It's like I zoned out. And then I looked at it and I'm like, we're only, we're only on the third song. <laughs> and it's, there's like 20 minutes already gone by and I'm only three songs in and I'm bored out of my mind. Yeah. 
That's a bad combination. Does ministry want you to do what Wild Bill did in Silence of the Lambs? You just turn on Americant and crank it and sit in the room by yourself with the hole dug in the basement <laughs> and just staring at pictures of the president going, I hate him. I hate him. Progressively chanting louder, I hate him. Are they trying to put you into a psychedelic state? Well, no, because then you'd be all like, I'd fuck me. Like I thought this was going to be a ball tuck situation. <laughs> and yeah. I was going to say, I'll tell you what, to improve upon this album, I would gladly dance naked with my balls tucked. For sure. And, and pinch my nipples and put lipstick on because I'd be like, something's got to keep me awake while I'm listening. How to did you hit those high notes on Unteacher, Steven? Man, why didn't I think of that? That would have been a really good way to get through this That's album. for me to know and for you to fantasize about. <laughs> Final thoughts on ministry. Steven Mark Sorrow. Great band from the beginning to around early 2000s. Um, I think if people want to know the music and learn about ministry, the best thing to do would probably just start in around 1990 and, or late 80s and go till about the end of the 90s. I think you're good. Maybe Oh, no, and, and Animosity Samina. Stop there. You'll be good. And, and I think for me... The heart of ministry was was the 90s, for sure. Late 90s. I'm going to say something that's probably going to piss a bunch of people off. I know. Shocker. Ladies and gentlemen, unpleasable metal Should fan. I go take a piss break real quick? <laughs> Maybe. So, I don't... You're a filthy pig. I don't filthy think pig. that uh, this band deserves the legacy treatment like they get. Because I just don't get it. Like, I, I listen to all of it. And I listened to it a lot faster than a lot of people did. I digested it, a lot of it really quickly. But the thing that I can only come away with is, like, I can point out of 14 albums, like, maybe three or four that I think are really great. And the rest of it is all just missteps or bullshit. And so it makes me wonder if just because the band's been around since 1983, that that suddenly makes them amazing to people. And I guess that's where all the hype is. But like this band really, like Steven said, hasn't really been that great or relevant since the 90s. And it seems really out of touch now. It's almost embarrassing. You know, when you get to these later, these last two albums, it's embarrassing. But I almost feel like people just listen to ministry because ministry has been around forever. And there's a whole bunch of assholes out there that are like, got to listen to ministry. They're such a great band. They're the originators. You kids need to study up on your histories and shit. You know, that's what I hear when people talk about ministry. And I just don't think they, I just don't think they deserve the credit that they get now. Whenever like more than half of it is worse than what is good. I think that the short stuff that was really good was really innovative though. I think that when you went and saw ministry live in the nineties, I mean, you can watch it on YouTube to, to back this point up is between the volume and between the imagery and between the kind of music that it was. And it really just, there really wasn't anyone who mixed the aggression quite like they did. And at that time, I mean, they got big quick and sold a lot of albums quick because at that time it was just pretty untouchable, but you know, it did go, it was very short lived, but I mean, I feel like even Filth Pig and Dark Side of the Spoon is still really innovative. So to me, I feel like it's a little bit longer than you might feel. But I think the reason that they have the legendary status is because they really kind of wrote the book for a little while there. Um, 
and have influenced just a countless amount of people to do their industrial. That's and then I think some of it. I don't think industrials. There's not a really good track record for it being good. There's only so many. I mean, can you really sit there and go? Well, there's hundreds and hundreds of industrial bands, and and most of them are great. Like I always feel like there's like ten great bands that came out of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? If that, because I'm not a massive industrial fan, but it's also because what I think it makes industrial great. There's only so many people who can really touch it. Look at Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails was great, but they were great for about three albums, and they have a legendary status that just won't quit. It's the same kind of thing, I think. You do downward spiral, you're good for the next 30 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think ministry can get new fans in 2018. I don't think somebody who started listening to heavy metal or industrial will find ministry and go back and find something that makes them a diehard fan. There are diamonds in the discography, but the majority of it isn't relevant now and wasn't relevant very much longer than it existed. But I think Ministry is a band that influenced more bands than people are aware of. So you should definitely listen to Ministry if you're a fan of Industrial. If you have nostalgia for this band or for the 90s, then you're definitely going to enjoy it. Steven, what's your album of the week? Bride, Fistful of Bees. Get off of this podcast. <laughs> You're on my shit list. <laughs> Careful, Joel. You know Joel, what? print that as your final, as your album of the week. All right, fine, fair enough. I'll come up with my better one, but go ahead. Dan, what about you? Oh, man. My favorite album this week. <laughs> you guys are going to laugh at me. It's Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> red before is it, black. Is it red? I was going to say that one, but I had a feeling. Yeah. I've been listening to this one for, well, since we did the episode. <laughs> no, I'd like to I'd like to give a shout-out to an album, if you don't mind. I'd like to give a shout-out to the new Daughters record called You Won't Get What You Want. I haven't listened to it yet. <clears throat> well, you should, because it's awesome. It keeps getting recommended to me on my, on my music app, but I... Uh, I just got. I had to listen to all these fucking ministry albums instead. Oh, <laughs> and another great record that just came out. It was. It was. It's not. It's not a new album, but it was reissued. It used to be like three hundred dollars on eBay. Now you can get it for like eighteen dollars. It's a band called um, Asylum Party, and the album's called Borderline, and it's amazing. I highly recommend it. If you're into like dark wave, um, you're into like the cold wave stuff that came out of like France in the '80s, stuff like that influenced pornography by The Cure stuff like that if you're really into that stuff great record borderline by asylum party pick it up the final week of industrial december is upon us i've been listening to the downward spiral by nine inch nails over and over and over again yeah but you got to listen to all the other ones too that's how this works i've got time. did you guys do your did you do your nine inch nails episode yet not yet next week the downward spiral is amazing so is the fragile and on that note, this has been episode 96 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. 
Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. 